Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. Uh, Good morning. Uh, My name is Zach. Uh, I almost said I'm an admission counselor. Uh, That's what I do for work. Um, I'm a... I'm a member here at Trinity Gilwood. Uh, excited to be with you here this morning. Um, we're in a series called Visions of Hope. We're looking at um, you know, the whole kind of story of the prophet Ezekiel. In the first week, we got a little bit of context of what the story of Ezekiel is about. Um, the Israelite people are taken into exile, into Babylon. Uh, their country has been kind of taken over by the Babylonians. And um, Ezekiel, who on the day that God kind of comes to him and, and starts to move him forward in his prophetic ministry, uh, is the same day that he would be or would have been installed as a priest uh, in Israel. Um, and interestingly enough, God's word comes to him in exile. And then we kind of get this performance art or series of performance art um, performances uh, throughout the whole book. And last week we looked a little bit about, or at about what God is doing uh, in exile, maybe why that happens, how God loves us. Uh, and this week we're looking at leadership and we're looking at the good shepherd. Um, so what I really want to hone in on this week is that we're, we're looking at all of scripture uh, and how it builds towards the good shepherd uh, and how the good shepherd leads us to life. There's going to be a few sections that we go through, through that long, long reading, uh, but it's all very relevant. We're going to talk a little bit about what poor leadership looks like uh, after Ezekiel roasts all of the leaders. Um, And then we're going to look at the promises of the good shepherd and who the good shepherd is. Uh, So... Yeah, that's kind of the journey that we're going to go on. We're going to look at, you know, where, where um, you know, they're at in terms of leadership, how they got there. And um, we, we have this benefit of history on our side, right? We're thousands of years later from when this is happening. Uh, and we know who the good shepherd is. Uh, on three, tell me who you think that is. One, two, three. Jesus. Right. The, yeah, good job. Um, so you're in the right place. Uh, this, this isn't a shock to us, right? This is kind of explicit. We understand that, but we, uh, or maybe Ezekiel during his time, they, they didn't know exactly who Jesus was. They knew of the promises of him and what that would look like and kind of how we get there and, and where they came from. Ezekiel 34 is this really cool uh, chapter that really tells the whole narrative of scripture. And I kind of want to show you a little bit about how that works through those sections. Does that sound good? Cool. Um, So let's just dive in. Look at verses three through nine. This is where we get those critiques of Israel's leaders. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who've been feeding themselves. Should not shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the choice animals, but you do not feed the sheep. You not strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bandage the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost but with force and harshness you've ruled over them. They were scattered because they had no shepherd and they became food for every wild beast. Um, So what this is, and you can kind of see it, it's written on the wall here, the leaders are focused on self. They're not focused on the flock. They're not focused on the sheep. They're looking towards maybe security and protection, maybe out of fear, whatever it might be. We don't necessarily know, but what they're doing is they're separating themselves from the flock by keeping all of these things to themselves. 
They are eating the choice meats, they're eating the excess, they're keeping the clothing for themselves, and they're also not looking after the weak and the vulnerable and the marginalized in society. So what we're seeing there is a picture of what God is calling them to do and what they're not doing. And um, implied there as well is that's what God is like. That's what God does, and that's what God does with his people and for his people. But what I really kind of want to get at really quick too before we move forward is that we do need a shepherd. We are like sheep. Uh, I think a really good example of this is uh, Rachel and I, my fiance, were watching a, a documentary recently about Woodstock 1999. Um, I would not recommend watching this, uh, at least from a pulpit. Um, but uh, what happens there is it's this music festival, they're trying to revitalize you know, the Woodstock from the 60s and bring it back, and then it, it goes the complete opposite direction and ends up you know, ending in, in riots and stages being burned down and people throwing sound equipment and food into this giant fire. And um, they're interviewing this one guy who was a part of it and he was like, I don't know how I did that. I never expected to be involved in a riot and here I am contributing to this. Uh, and that is a really good example of sheepishness. We're like sheep, we get caught up. We uh, kind of find ourselves doing things we didn't necessarily know or want to be doing. Another good example of this could be maybe people who are uh, caught up in cults, uh, who might be you know, feeling that vulnerability, who might see a charismatic or attractive leader and follow them because there's something about that that's fulfilling to them or gives them meaning or purpose. And that's why leadership is so, it's such a huge responsibility for God, for the people who are in charge of his, sh- of his sheep. Um, and he's holding them accountable here. Uh, look a little ahead at verse 10. Um, Thus says the Lord, behold, I'm against the shepherds. I will demand my sheep from their hand. I'll no longer let them be shepherds. The shepherds will not feed them anymore. God is firing them. The shepherds are fired and he's taking back uh, leadership himself. Um, This isn't new though, right? And this isn't a surprise that the Israelites are in exile getting this message. This is the pattern from page one of the Bible. We're we're in God's presence. We do something. uh, We're living out of God's right relationship and we are exiled from the garden. We're exiled from God's presence. We're uh, brought into the promised land and then we're uh, exiled from there again here. Uh, This kind of begins, and this is where, you know, all of scripture kind of comes into play uh, with this um, with this chapter of Ezekiel. In 1 Samuel 6, 9, uh, the people said, give us a king to lead. They wanted to be like other nations. And the whole point was Israel was supposed to be set apart, a holy nation that was different, that is this intermediary uh, nation of priests between God and, um, and the rest of the world. And here they are um, trying to be like other nations. And you can see a little bit more of what this feels like to God. The Lord says to Samuel, the prophet, Uh, Do everything the people request of you, for it's not you that they have rejected, but it's me that they've rejected as their king, just as they have done from the day I brought them from Egypt. Again, not news. Um, Until this very day, they've rejected me and have served other gods. This is what they are also doing to you, so now do as they say. God warned them, and like we talked about last week a little bit, he gave us over to what we want, and uh, exile is where we find people with Ezekiel. So we're like shepherds, uh, and we're here because we kind of have this propensity to want to be and do everything like everybody else, rather than follow God's lead and God's way and be different. Um, But uh, God is saying that he's going to be the one to replace those hired hands, uh, the one who's going to take back leadership from those shepherds who have not been doing a good job. What is that going to look like? 
Uh, John read um, a lot of different promises there for us, but in Ezekiel 10, verses 16, we see promises of the shepherd, uh, and Ezekiel 35 uh, 34, 25 to 31, we see promises of the new covenant. All of these promises of what's going to come when the good shepherd is back in leadership and in right relationship with his sheep. Um, the good shepherd has those promises of see- searching and seeking the lost, doing what those leaders were not doing. He's undoing a lot of what they're doing and doing them himself. He's rescuing them from danger gathering the scattered. Again, that word scattered is really important for the whole story here as well. He's leading them to good pasture. He's feeding them. Again, they were hungry under the leadership of these other hired hands, of these other shepherds, and now here he is feeding them and giving them the food that they need. He's going to give them rest. He's going to invite them to lie down, and he's going to bring healing to them. And then in 34, 25 to 31, there's more promises of the new covenant, The Old Covenant, the Old Testament, right? There's a new covenant that's coming and it's promised through the reign of the Messiah, who we know is, again, one, two, three. Great. Um, He's the good shepherd as well. And that's what's coming here with the new covenant. And this good shepherd is gonna bring peace, blessing to other nations. Again, we are supposed to be different so that others can be brought in to right relationship with God. And we're gonna be back doing that and fulfilling what our, our role as a kingdom of priests was supposed to be. There's gonna be excess blessing, right? We're gonna have extra, we're gonna have abundance. The leaders were keeping all of that abundance for themselves while there's hungry people around. We're gonna have more than we need. There's gonna be a breaking of the burden of slavery. There's this propensity of sheepishness of our sinful nature to want to save ourselves. And that's a burden. And we don't have to do that anymore. That's part of the slavery of sin. We get to be brought to rest and lie down in green pasture and be in right relationship with God. And that's a, that's a promise of the good shepherd in the new covenant. And we're going to have security. We're going to be able to reside in good pasture. And there's this really cool intimacy here that uh, is going to be known. There's going to be community and knowing. In verses 30 to 31, we hear God say that I'm going to know my sheep and my sheep will know me. We're going to know our God, the same God who said he's going to feed us himself. Think about this just really quick. The God who spun everything into motion, who created everything by his own word, who loves us and knows you and created you intimately, who breathed life into your nostrils and everyone else's, is going to feed you by hand. There's that intimacy. He's going to know you and he's going to know other people and we're all going to be together. That sounds like heaven to me. That's a green pasture. That's the life that we are headed into with this good shepherd. And who is that good shepherd? We've talked about it, but let's clarify something here because this is spoken to Ezekiel's people uh, who don't know who this good shepherd is. Verse 23, he says, I'll set one shepherd over them and he will feed them, namely my servant David. He'll feed them and will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Uh, David was a shepherd who was turned king uh, of Israel, and he wrote this psalm as well. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures. He leads me to refreshing water. He restores my strength, and he leads me down the right paths for the sake of his reputation. Even when I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. You prepare a feast before me in plain sight of my enemies. You refresh my head with oil. My cup is completely full. Surely your goodness and your mercy will pursue me all my days, and I will live in the Lord's house for the rest of my life. So the issue here with talking about David is that David is very dead at this point. 
David has been dead for a long time. And here we are a long, long time later, and Ezekiel is remembering this promise from David and this promise from God. This is a messianic psalm here that's talking about Jesus. You see the language and the similarities between this psalm and Ezekiel 34's promises. But David also had the benefit of knowing scripture and being close to God. David knew that back in Numbers 24, we see that um, you know, Moses, who was the leader, the shepherd of Israel at that time, while they were in exile, wandering through the wilderness, uh, he was about to die. He was not going to enter into the promised land. And uh, he said, uh, Moses spoke to the Lord. This is Numbers 24. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all humankind, appoint a man over the community who will go out before them and who will come in before them, who will lead them out and who will bring them in so that the community of the Lord may not be like sheep that have no shepherd. Again, we know that Jesus is the good shepherd, right? This is, this is back in the Torah. This is, you know, a long time before David, and this is a long time before Ezekiel, and David knew this, and Ezekiel knew this. And the good shepherd who takes over after Moses died is Joshua, which is the same Hebrew word and Hebrew name as Jesus. It's Yeshua. It's God, the God who saves. Yahweh is our salvation. That's what that name means, and that same Man, that same name was there for Joshua when the Israelites entered the promised land. And David knew that, and he had the promise of this king. And Ezekiel knew that, and they had the promise of this good shepherd. And here they are bringing it back. Ezekiel in exile is helping his people remember the whole story of where we've been the whole time, all the way back from Genesis to Numbers to David to, to now while they're in exile. But again, we know that this is Jesus. And how do we know? Well, Matthew uh, has this amazing genealogy, a whole tracing uh, in the first chapter, all the way from the first verse in 1 verse 1 to um, uh, verse 17, uh, which gives a whole breakdown. Abraham all the way to David the king, and then David all the way to the deportation of Babylon, which is where we find Ezekiel right now. And from the deportation to Babylon all the way to Mary and Joseph, Jesus is born of that line. And this is important that this genealogy is here because we know that the promise Ezekiel is remembering is not only from uh, Numbers 24, but also is alluding to David's promise that God gives him, which is that a Messiah is going to come from his line. So here we are. This is all being fulfilled here in Jesus. And Jesus says uh, in John chapter 10, this is his good shepherd discourse, in 1 through 10, he starts to critique the, uh, the Israelite leaders of their time and say that they're like thieves and robbers, which is exactly, that's Ezekiel 34 language. Those leaders would be offended. They'd be shocked that he would use the scripture that they know so well and are stewards of against them. And also being scandalized when Jesus says um, that he's the good shepherd. He is God. That's giving him this God uh, likeness that how do you believe that a human being is God, right? But here he is in front of them sharing himself, saying that I'm the good shepherd and critiquing these leaders in John 10, 1 to 18. He recalls that language from Ezekiel. And in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and destroy these leaders. I have come so that they may have life and may have it abundantly. That's, that's green pasture language. Jesus is inviting us into that green pasture and it's through him that we receive that. He says, I'm the good shepherd in verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his, lays down his life for the sheep. 
right? These other leaders are taking it up for themselves. They're keeping things for themselves. They're protecting themselves, just like in that judgment portion of the scripture that we read today, that the leaders are pushing people out. They're keeping it only for themselves. And that's another part of the story of Israel. We see they're keeping it to themselves. It's not about other nations coming in. It's about being kept here. And Jesus is saying that the hired hand, these leaders, who's not a shepherd and does not own his sheep, sees the wolf coming and abandons them. They're only concerned for self and their own security. He lays down his life. Verse 14, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. It's Ezekiel 34 language. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. He's saying, this is how I learned it. I learned this type of love and community through what the father has done for me and the community I have in the Trinity between the father, son, and the Holy Spirit. I have other sheep. This is where it gets really interesting and where we get back to that blessing to other uh, nations language. I have other sheep that do not come from this sheepfold. I must bring them too and they'll listen to my voice so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me because I lay down my life so I might take it back again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own free will. This is all Numbers 27 language. This is all Psalm 23 language. This is Ezekiel 34 language. This is what we have today. And we know that this happens in Jesus because in Jesus, we see that he's our good shepherd. He's the one who fulfills us. He says it, he's died. He takes on uh, the punishment for our sins. He brings us back into right relationship with God, shows us what God is like for us, a good shepherd who lays down his life for us, for the love of us to bring us in rather to exclude and to not include. God is inclusive and he loves all nations, all peoples, and he shows us that by how he lays down his life for us. And it doesn't stop there at the cross. Uh, Let's go a little forward to Pentecost. In Acts 2, uh, there's this feast, this traditional feast that happens 50 days after the Passover. That's when Jesus died. He's been resurrected at this point, and he's ascended into heaven. And now the disciples are waiting for the Holy Spirit. And it comes to them at this feast where all of the different parts of, of the Jewish community scattered all throughout the Mediterranean, all throughout the world, are gathered into their holy city. And they are given the Holy Spirit. They're given the message of Ezekiel 34 that Jesus has fulfilled this. Our good shepherd is here. So they come in and they go out. Jesus gathers and then he gives them out again and brings them back in again. And that's why we're here. We've been blessed by this story. We've been blessed by the good shepherd. And we're seeing the effects of it. And we're seeing what that looks like over time because we're here in Trinity Galewood today worshiping Jesus, our good shepherd. So what does that mean for us? Well, Trinity Galewood is currently without a pastor. We're without a leader. We're without a shepherd. Uh, it's important to remember this, that, that we know whose church this is. This is never a pastor's church. This is never our church. This is God's church, and we're part of his flock. And what's been amazing to see is that everybody here, that the mission is still continuing, and it still will continue. We're all here. We're all coming here this morning. We're all going to be going back out throughout our week. What does that look like throughout the week? All of us, we're men, women, husbands, wives, we're pastors, nurses, grant writers, teachers, we're sons and daughters, and we're students, uh, we're brothers and sisters. How do we bring this into our daily life when church may be not be happening every single day of the week? Well, we follow the lead of the good shepherd. Like Philippians 2 says, have the same attitude towards one another that Christ Jesus had. He emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave by looking like other men and by sharing in human nature. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death and even death upon a cross. 
What this is saying is that unlike the leaders of Israel in Ezekiel 34 and maybe the leaders of this world that we may seek to be like or to want to be like or to want to emulate, they separate themselves from the sheep. Jesus came down from heaven, from that exalted place that everyone's trying to go to, and he, went, he was pinned on the cross for our sins. He took on all of the punishment, all of the sin, all of the evil of the world and its consequences, both in the past and in the future and in his present, onto him that day. And we're given eternal life through that. The temple curtain tore. God's spirit was released in the world again. We have right relationship with the Father. We can go through this time of what might feel like exile as a church community where we're without a leader, trusting our good shepherd. We all know what he's done for us and we can all continue to bring that into our daily life here at Trinity Galewood, in our workplace, in our homes, in all of our relationships, we have the right example that's been set for us. And we do have that good shepherd to rely on and trust who will lead us into that promised land, into those green pastures, into that rest that we seek. And we can trust that message because he was raised from the dead. So we're called to be different. We're called to bring others in and we know who our good shepherd is. So um, yeah, will you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are our good shepherd. Thank you that we know this. Thank you that we can trust this. Thank you that we can move forward in our daily life knowing this. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for how you've made us and created us and made us all unique. Thank you that you brought us all here together to celebrate that today. Thank you for everybody here in this church and for everyone in our daily lives as we go from here later today. I call, or I ask that you, um, you bless us as we go forward and help us to be a blessing to others so that others can know how good you are. In your name we pray, amen.